This is Game On, discussing the biggest games and all the latest sports news with Johnny Montabano and Hank and Dichter on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. It's showtime, folks. It's episode 46 of Game On here on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. I'm Johnny Montabano. Yes, I am here. That's Hank and Dichter. Hank, good to see you, my friend. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, excited to start the uh, Andy Pettit episode, I should say. Absolutely. And also, uh, one other special thing. This week will mark the start of year number two of Game On. We launched on March 15th of 2022. I know that's crazy to say, right? Uh, we launched on March 15th, 2022, and here it is now, the one one year, just about one year to the day that we launched this, and the show is still going strong. Uh, it has no shortage of sports topics, and that has to a lot to do with you, with me, with Nick, and I do want to first off thank Mr. Nick Morgison for filling in for me these last couple of weeks. Uh, it, let me tell you, folks, yes, it's March Madness. Let me tell you, 2023 has been madness for me, personally. I've just been very, very busy. And unfortunately, real life has been getting in the way. Everything's fine. I'm totally healthy. Life is fine. Work is great. So it's good to be back, though, and at least put that behind me for a little bit here and look forward to really what is just an incredible time here in the world of sports. You know, we talked about March Madness. That's here. And it's here in a, in a couple of ways, and we're going to get to that over the course of the of the episode. But, of course, we want to hear from you folks as well. Plenty of ways for you to get aboard. You can follow us across our social media platforms. We're on Facebook and Twitter at GameOnETV. We're on Instagram at Game on underscore ETV. Our personal handles are not scrolling on the bottom of your screen. They're actually right below us. Uh, kind of a new feature as we start year number two of Game On. I'm at Montemano NY, and Hank is at RangerHanky96. And, of course, check out our website, etbpodcast.com, for all of our blog posts from Hank, from Tom, from Nick, and all of the great folks here at the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. And, of course, subscribe and check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash network. Leave a like. Ring that notification bell so you know when all of our programming and our, our episodes and content are going to come out. And I say that because I have come back in a big, big way. I've got not one. Not two, not three, but four. Yes, four March Madness Monty moments. Try and say that Woo! four times quick. Um, to that'll four be Monty Montrance moments dropping this week. <laughs> Pretty good, right? Nice little ration by me there. But yes, I've got four for you that come out this week, and we're going to talk about March. We're going to talk about the NCAA tournament over the course of the show here today. But I've got four that go through. Uh, the four regions and the first round, which I think is a very, very um, cool thing to check out because this, this tournament is going to be very, very exciting. We're going to get to that in just a little bit. We've also got some hockey because, of course, you know, hockey's starting to come down the stretch. And one of the moments I remember from last, from our first year of the show, was diving about. That's right, the New York Rangers who made that deep run last year. Oh, and Hank, I hope, I hope to God your sweatshirt, your, your, uh, our Knicks are going to make a deep run as well. And talk, we could talk about them into April and possibly May, or dare I say, even June as well. So we'll get into the hockey, including the Boston Bruins, who are trying to make history in the NHL this year. So we'll discuss about that. We've got baseball to get to. And no, not the World Baseball Classic, but the New York Yankees. 
Yankees who it's only early to mid-March and they are in a literally in a world of hurt. So we were, we are going to get to that. But Hank, we got to kick things off here with what has been already a very wild um, offseason in the National Football League. And I feel like this is deja vu all, all over again because last year when we launched Game On, we were talking a lot about NFL free agency and quarterbacks. And this year, we, or at least today, we are talking about NFL free agency and quarterbacks. But before we get to that, actually, this might have to do with quarterbacks as well. A huge trade happened uh, late last week into the weekend where the Bears traded the number one overall pick, which I don't think was much of a surprise. But what was, to me, the surprise was to who? And that was the Carolina Panthers, who traded up from number nine to number one and also gave up four total draft picks and wide receiver DJ Moore to go get that number one pick. Now, to me, I think this is kind of a win-win for both teams because Carolina needs that big-time quarterback, that big franchise QB. And to me, the Bears, we know they have their quarterback in Justin Fields. And a few things out of this, too. you know, So they don't necessarily need a QB. Well, then they're looking at who else they're going to need, maybe a defensive player. Well, the best defensive player in this draft hurt his draft value recently, too. So it's kind of a win-win for both regards. But before we dig deep into this, I want to go to you here first. What do you make about this big-time trade between these two teams? I'm going to be honest, and this might seem like a bold take, but I feel like the uh, Carolina Panthers might be the ones getting the better end of the deal, especially if they end up taking one of the two quarterback prospects that are available at number one. And the reason I say that right now is because, well, number one, look at the uh, NFC South. Is there really any clear favorite in that division? I would argue that the answer is no. So you get a quarterback, you you build around him this year. You might have an outside shot at the playoffs in a wide open division because, I mean, look, the uh, Saints maybe have a chance. I mean, right now they technically do have the best quarterback, but the fact that you have Derek Carr as the best quarterback in the division isn't really saying much. The Buccaneers are declining, and the Falcons, no. So it should be interesting to see how that plays out. What was surprising to me was I thought Chicago would have gotten back more of a haul for that number one pick than they did. I mean, look, DJ Moore is an okay wide receiver, but if you look at a lot of other trades involving like really high draft picks, historically they've been a lot higher there. There've been a lot more given up. I mean, remember the RG three trade when St. Louis got like everything in the kitchen sink. Now, granted, they didn't really do much with those draft picks, but you know, that that's an example of one. And, you know, I feel like if you notice a pattern with trades that Ryan Poles has made with the bears, he seems to have a real fetish for wide receivers. No? Because look at the Claypool trade. They gave up a first-round pick for him, and that was... And Claypool really didn't do much for the Bears, and now you're giving up a good amount for DJ Moore, and DJ Moore, you know, you have, you're going to have to pay him 
like not long after this. So I actually think the Panthers win this trade. I do think the Panthers win it because they're going to get their QB. Now the question is going to be, and this is where the fun is going to begin is which one is it going to be? Because I'm looking at this right now with about six weeks to go until the draft tank. And I see possibly at least three, if not more options for Carolina there now with the number one overall pick, you know, it could be CJ Stroud from Ohio state. It could be Bryce young from Alabama, or I'll tell you right now, and this is, and I don't like taking much out of the NFL combine, but Anthony Richardson from Florida had a very good combine. And he is a name that who's, he is a guy whose name has really been talked about a lot here since the combine. And I remember before the, the last college football season, a lot of the scouts and resemblance towards Anthony Richardson was that, uh, that he had similar characteristics and traits of Cam Newton. Now we're talking about the Cam Newton of the early days in Carolina, not of the last couple of years, but we saw what Cam Newton did down there in Carolina, and there could be a possibility they may be going down that road. So, yeah, I like the trade from Carolina's side. And I also think, though, I do like the trade from the Bears' side of things because we knew that they were going to trade down because they didn't need the QB. We knew that Justin Fields was their guy. I mean, that's, they've been very, very clear on that. And I think the reason why it seems like they didn't give up, they didn't get that much was because they didn't get multiple first-round picks for this, but they got four total and I still think DJ Moore, who's a solid guy. Now, I know here at ETB, we were talking about the possibility about our Giants getting him, which I was not really in love with. And this is one of the reasons why. Look at what they look at the amount of capital that the uh, Panthers gave up to get DJ Moore in addition to that, too. But as far as the Bears go here now, yeah, I wasn't in love with the Chase Claypool trade uh, last season during the deadline. But now you get another receiver for uh for Justin Fields and maybe you're trying to build a little something there even though Fields is really more of a running guy than he is a throwing guy so the Bears definitely I think they still went out here because they they can move down and they could probably still get a guy that they were looking at at one so I think it's a win-win all wrong especially if the Panthers get the guy and you know what like you said that NFC South still not that strong now I haven't been on in a little while so the Derek Carr trade I think it could also have been a reactionary trade, a reactionary move to the Derek Carr move for the Saints too. They see that the Saints got their guy. Now Carolina wants to get their guy. I mean, you know, Sam Darnold did all right. You know, PJ Walker did all right. But now the other question is going to be, and this was a rumor that was floated around on Monday, it was maybe them also dealing Matt Corral, who they drafted last year. And of course, he gets hurt right away. Doesn't even take a snap last year. So there's definitely a bunch of ways to go here, but. Yeah, I, I think it's a win-win for both. And also, I think this goes back to – I'll tell you this, Hank. I'll bring this up as well. I think there is a team that actually did lose this trade. And it was neither the Bears nor the Panthers. I think it was the Colts. Now, Ooh. the Colts won the, lost this trade for two reasons. Number one, they lost this because this also goes back to week 18 when the Texans beat the Colts uh, and the Bears lost. So – the Bears ended up moving up to the number one pick. And then also, I think the the Colts lose this because now that's one more team above Indy that's going to draft the QB. Because if you look at this draft order now, you know now that the Panthers 
isn't going to get a QB. You know that the Texans are going to draft a QB. Arizona is not. So that takes two QBs off the board before the Colts pick at four. So I think at the end, I think the Colts actually lost this trade because they were responsible for this to happen. And because now there's going to be at least two. And we're not even talking about the fact that maybe Arizona trades out of three. If somebody wants to move up and get a QB, maybe they trade above and get three. So they now have at least two QBs off the board before they get their pick at number four. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I think they definitely could have used that number one pick, both of those teams for sure. So, yeah, I mean, this was really, this was, this deal that happened, I think it was on Friday. Yeah, it was on Friday. This deal was two months in the making because once the, once week 18 ended and we saw that the Bears got the number one overall pick, we knew that this was this was possible because we I didn't think the Bears were going to move on from Justin Fields. You know, last season, Fields started out slow, really had to become a running guy, and then got better as time went along and actually played pretty well. So they knew that they were going to be their guy. So, uh, and I know we had discussed this on Game On way back then, was would the Bears trade away Fields? And I thought that was absolutely ridiculous because I don't know if any of these guys that are coming out of the draft are actually going to be better than him. But I think that's what it goes down to. So it could be a Colts thing. It can even go back. You could even say Lovey Smith had a big thing to do with this, the, who who was coaching the Texans before he got fired. So, I mean, it was really a uh, an unbelievable domino effect there. But that's what I think it ultimately comes down to. And now it, it creates a very, very interesting situation here with the draft six weeks away. And that who and who is the who are the Panthers going to take with that number one overall pick? It could be, like I said, it could be Stroud. It could be Bryce Young. It could be... Um, Anthony Richardson. I mean, there was even a report. I was talking to a friend on Friday that was telling me even Stetson Bennett could be in play, which I don't think is possible. I mean, I don't think Stetson Bennett has that much value, even though he's 25. The other QB that we've heard a bit about has been Will Levis from Kentucky. So there's five QBs, at least on the board, that could be there for Carolina. But if let's put it this way. If the draft is tomorrow, I I'm. I have a very sneaky suspicion that we're talking about Anthony Richardson going to Carolina. I really do. Uh, and now I'm not saying Anthony Richardson's the best QB in the draft, but I think he reminds me a lot. They've been reminding him a lot of one Cam Newton, and we know how good Cam Newton was there in Carolina before you know his foot injury and how he never was the same player since. So very fascinating thing to watch with six weeks to go um, there with this trade. And you know what? This may not be the only one because I still don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that somebody trades up to three and goes above and goes where the, the the Cardinals are. Now, I don't think that's going to be the Raiders because the Raiders got their guy, but there could be some teams that might trade up that want a QB that may trade with the um, with the Cardinals at three. Because really the best player, Hank, that's not a QB, the first best player that's not a QB is Will Anderson from Alabama. So that's something to watch too. Jalen Carter totally um, dropped his value. He might still go in the first round, but he's not going to be a top pick uh, that we would have been talking about weeks before, given his situation. So uh, that's the other thing to watch here six weeks before the draft. But but keeping it on the NFL here, the other big thing that's going on right now, again, it's March. It's March Madness, not only in, in college basketball, but in the NFL, because NFL free agency has opened up. And, you know, before we get to some of the moves, I want to talk about our New York football giants, because they 
They were in the news late last week as they did decide to bring back Daniel Jones on a four-year contract, and they decided to place the franchise tag on Saquon Barkley. And there's been a lot of discussion about this. And Hank, I'm curious. I know you and Tom have been talking about this a lot on your Big Blue Avenue channel. And I and you know what? I think here's what I would say. I think that this was the Giants handled this for both players the right way. I, I think Daniel Jones was right to come back on the long-term extension. And I think the franchise tag on Barkley was the right way to go. I think the Giants handled this perfectly. Now, did the Giants give Jones a lot of money? Yes, but for the I think his value to the Giants is invaluable in that I think he's perfect with their system and their coaching staff. And I don't think he would have been able to do what he did in New York anywhere else. So, you know, you do have to pay him that kind of money. And the team is mostly going to be the same going into next season. So I, I really do like this from the Giants' side. I think they handled this per- perfectly. And as far as Saquon Barkley goes, again, I think that's the right way to go. Um, you bring him back on the franchise tag because you, you don't know the value of running backs. You know what? Barkley has been injury-plagued before. I know he had a great year last year, but you know what? He's one bad cut away from tearing his ACL or blowing out his knee again, and then he's out for the season, and then you're, you're stuck with all that money if you give him a long-term deal. So you know what? I can go out there and get another running back. Heck, the Giants also on Monday – decided to bring back Mac Breida, which I thought was great because he played well in the couple of in, in last year as well. So, so far, and we'll talk about some other moves too. I think the Giants have handled this perfectly and have had a very, very good start to the offseason so far. Yeah, I would agree. On the surface, it's a lot of money, but here's another thing to consider. You don't really want to go back to square one having to find another quarterback. And, you know, when you really look at it in the big picture, it's only really the first two years of this contract that are really going to be affecting the giants. If we're talking about the salary cap structure and, you know, let's say it doesn't work out after the few years, then maybe we can start to have the conversation about what to do about, you know, the next franchise quarterback. But at the same time, you know, this is an example of the fact that plans change. Brian Dable was able to make it work with Daniel Jones and Daniel Jones showed significant amounts of progress during that playoff season last year. In fact, if you really, if we didn't have Daniel Jones, I don't think they even, we were even talking about the giants going to the playoffs, much, much less even winning that game in Minnesota against the Vikings. And as you, if you remember from our episode of big Avenue, Tom and I gave Daniel Jones the uh, player of the week after that big win. So he is definitely important to keep around and franchise tagging Saquon. I agree that that's the right move as much as uh, you want him for a while. The injuries are a concern and you really have to be careful with paying a running back. I mean, ask the Cowboys how it worked out with Ezekiel Elliott. And I see Brian Attard always making the argument that you really don't want to bring the bank for uh, running backs. So I think definitely the Giants handled things well. And yeah, I'm not opposed to the idea of giving Matt Breida another uh, small one-year contract. He was pretty effective last year with New York Giants. And as far as the free agent moves go, I don't mean to get ahead of you. I think they got off to a decent start, especially with uh, the signing of Bobby O, a four-year contract. And, you know, I saw a moment from the, if you look back at the Colts game, 
he was one of the few players on Indianapolis that actually seemed to show some passion. So I wonder how much that influenced the Giants management to sign him for uh, four years and 10 million per year, which I think was definitely smart, especially after they saw what um, TJ Edwards got from the Chicago Bears. And by the way, TJ Edwards, three years, 19 million, that's a skill for a really good linebacker. But it just goes to show you that the linebacker, the growing rate of the linebacker really isn't that high. And like, it seems like they're being overvalued, but yet having a really good linebacker core is actually very important to, to a really good team. So I think that definitely was a great get for the New York Giants. Oh, sure. And if you remember during the two Super Bowl runs, I mean, they got, they were getting great linebacker play too. And you remember our, our old buddy Antonio Pierce, how great he was at linebacker. So, yeah, it's a very, very valuable thing. Chase Blackburn so, too. That's Yep, Chase Blackburn. That's right. Yep. Had Absolutely. that big interception where he outleaped Gronk, although granted Gronk wasn't playing fully healthy, but that still was important, um, important yep. play. Yeah, so you take all those moves. I mean, I think this has been a very, very good start to the offseason for the Giants here as they try and take that next step forward. And, you know, you're looking at teams like the Eagles who have actually who had a rough uh, Monday where they lost two defensive players. You know, this offseason they've already lost two defensive coordinators, uh, two defensive coaches. So, so that's happened. You know, the Cowboys have still not shown that they're ready to take the next step. I think the Commanders have actually had a decent uh, couple of uh, days here in terms of their offseason. I know they got uh, our old buddy Nick Gates, and you know what? I'll say this: I'm, I'm rooting. I'm rooting hard for him. I mean, even in division, you know what? That's a guy that can get behind. His story was one of res- remarkable resiliency coming back from that terrible, gruesome uh, injury. So it's great to see him back. We'll be rooting hard for him uh, to have great success in um, in Washington. And yet, yes, even the two matchups that we face next year, you know, we'll root hard for him. We'll still hope he wins, but we hope he plays well and does well down there in Washington as well. So, yeah, no, very, very good start here for the Giants uh, this offseason. you got to be very, very proud here as they get ready to, you know, also go into the draft, and maybe they're not done yet with free agency. Remember, one of the things the Giants had going for them this year was they did have a very good amount of cap space, and I know they did uh, spend a good amount for Jones, but I think it's a move that had to be done. So good start here for the Giants so far. Well, as we wait for the next dominoes to fall here in free agency. And what I mean by that is, and, you know, watch this happen before our show premieres this week. But, you know, we're still waiting to find out the latest Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Lamar Jackson still as well what's going to happen. I mean, I'll, I'll just make a couple of quick predictions here. Uh, I think it's not going to be a matter of if, but when Aaron Rodgers goes to the New York Jets. And, yes, folks, we are on Nick Morgison uh, rant alert this week as we wait to find out the news with one Aaron Rodgers, and uh, I have a feeling that if this does happen this week, or I should say when this happens this week, we are going to do an emergency stream. So the best thing to do, once again, is have your notifications set on YouTube for uh, ETB Network so you know if or when that happens, I should say. So we've got that. The Lamar Jackson thing I think is crazy. You have, what is it, like seven teams that have turned down um, offering him a contract now. The thing with that is, and this has been my thought with Lamar, I think Lamar at the end of the day is going to go back to Baltimore. And I think it has nothing to do with, you know, his path. I think what it has to do with, it's not the fact that, he, you know, he's a, he's a former MVP and, you know, his numbers and all that. His total numbers, I should say. It has to do with the last two years. And the fact that, let's just be honest, Lamar has not been healthy the last two years. And you know what? He's been a running QB his whole career. And you know what? Sometimes you have to make adjusts. You are going to have to adjust. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to have a long career 
in the NFL. And I don't think there's a team. I don't think there are teams that are willing to risk spending upwards of 40 million per year or a full giving him a fully guaranteed contract for a guy who could be one bad cut away from, you know, a, a career ending injury. You know, there's no doubt his numbers have been fantastic, but you also have to consider you can, you can look at that and you can also look at the last two years that he's missed several games in each year. You know, Hank, can I borrow a phrase from you? Go for it. Both can be true. Both can be true. <laughs> I love so, it. So I ultimately think at the end of the day, Hank, that he's going back to Baltimore, but I think he's going to bet himself out of a huge major deal that he was hoping for. I think he's going to go back to Baltimore on a much lesser deal than he was hoping for. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, my stance on Lamar Jackson, I've never really been the biggest fan. I mean, I know 2019, he had that MVP like season, but if you really paid attention, if you really look at what happened the past few years and remember the coaching staff, you had a Harbaugh brother and Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator. Sound that sounds awfully for. Oh wait, that was the exact same system that Colin Kaepernick was successful with with the San Francisco 49ers. And guess what? They propped Lamar Jackson up to be better than he actually is. And guess what? It's now finally showing. Cuz did he ever have a season like 2019, I would say no. In fact, I would argue that he has steadily declined since then. I would agree. But I would I ultimately think that he's going back to Baltimore. That that would be my my guess uh there. Now, I mean, maybe they give him the franchise tag. I think they did give him the franchise tag, but I I, I just don't I just don't see how anybody else can give him that kind of money now if somehow Aaron Rodgers doesn't end up with the Jets, which I think right now you're looking at it. I think there was, I think it's like a one in ten shot that it's not going to happen. But do the Jets go down that road with Lamar? I'm not sure. I think Lamar is a product of the team. You know, Lamar. I think is a and I, and I and understand how I'm going to say this. I think Lamar and Daniel Jones are actually a carbon copy, and that I think they're a product of their own team. Meaning that if they went to another team, I don't think they're going to have as much success as they did in their original squad. So. I think Lamar, if he goes to another team, will not be like the, the same Lamar that he was in Baltimore or that he still is technically in Baltimore. Or Daniel Jones, if he was going to, like let's say, like the Saints or something like that, would not be the same guy that he was with the Giants. So I ultimately think that, that that's going to be the case and that he's going to end up going back to Baltimore. And we'll find out here in the coming days or so whether that is the case. A couple of other quarterback moves that happened uh, during the opening days of free agency here. You also had... Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo go go to the Raiders. It was three years, and I think total it could be a total of seventy two plus million dollars. Now Garoppolo again another another the, the interesting thing with with Jimmy G, you know it hasn't been his again. Here's another guy hasn't been his play on the field. You know he's got a seven hundred winning percentage as a starter. You know he's some of his best some of the best numbers in NFL history in fifty starts, but it's been the injuries. That's mm-hmm. that's been the thing. So. Um, I think that was a great move for the Raiders because he now reunites, he reunites with Josh Mills, who was there in those days back in New England. So I actually do like this from a uh, Raider perspective. You know, I know they lost uh, Derek Carr, but 
I, I think this is a smart move for Vegas to make. So I think the Raiders are trying to get better. You know, I think the Broncos are trying to improve off of a terrible year last year. You know, they brought in Jared Stinham, former Raider, to be their backup two years and $10 million. You know, you need a backup just as much as you need a starter in the NFL. So I like that. They've also in, in, uh, shored up their offensive line for Russell Wilson. So I think those two teams have definitely made some improvements. But the Jimmy G move, I think, I, while it can be risky, uh, I, I, I do like it from the Raiders' side. Yeah, I I would agree. I mean, Jimmy G has been a quarterback that has won games before with the San Francisco 49ers. So I don't think he's necessarily as bad of a quarterback as we make him out to be. But with that being said, do I think he's necessarily? No, I think I would argue that maybe, excuse me, he's a downgrade over Derek Carr. But, you know, I don't think he's a terrible alternative to have. I mean, given that he's probably going to be familiar with Josh McDaniel's system, but, you know, he's another option. Yeah, no, for sure. And the one other team that we'll talk about here in free agency and then we'll move on to some other topics is, is the Miami Dolphins. Now, uh, this happened a couple of days ago. Big trade for Jalen Ramsey. And the Rams traded him for a third-round pick and tight end Hunter Long. And I, I think this is a twofold. I think this is the Rams desperately wanting to move on because to get just a third-rounder and a tight end for him uh, is showing something. And the Rams go from what could have been a lethal three-man defense that they could have had to now just completely stripping away everything, it seems like. I mean, maybe we're talking about Matthew Stafford now being the next guy to go. But from the Dolphins' side, I love this move. I mean, they're going for it. And they also announced that uh, Tua's coming back. They picked up the fifth-year option, so Tua's going to be their guy. And I'll throw this one here out here too, Hank, and then you can react to all this as well. The Mike White signing for two years and $16 million, I got to tell you, I know it's a lot of money to give him, but I love it for Miami because you know what? Mike White is going to be in that role that's perfect for him, a backup. And we know that Tua is very injury prone. We know he's one probably one major hit away from, God forbid, his career ending. I mean, let's hope not. Let's hope he can get through the year. But think about the possibility of Mike White being a capable backup. And then if he has to go in there, look at the weapons he's got on that team. You know, Tyreek Hill, uh, uh, Jalen Waddell, you know, Mike Gusecki, tight end. I mean, he's got weapons there. You know, he's got running backs as well. You know, the line is for the most part is pretty good there in Miami. So I think the Dolphins have had a very, very good couple of days here with the Ramsey trade and bringing in Mike White to be a very capable backup because Mike White is a great backup. He's not a starter, folks. So, I mean, I heard, I saw some Jet fans going crazy about this. I mean, you go crazy for the amount of money he got, but you can't go crazy for the fact that, you know, you, you're worried about giving up a starter because Mike White is not a starter, but he's a very good backup and he goes into a good role down there in Miami. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. I think Mike White has shown you that he can win you games off the bench. I mean, I would, I know it's probably too early to say, but he seems like a Nick Foles type of quarterback, if you know what I mean. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, you can, you can win with that kind of guy, though, as a backup. Yeah, as a starter, probably probably not, but no. definitely no, you, somebody you could you could probably win games with for sure. And Hank, if you and you know I've said this uh, a lot. I mean, last season when we were doing our picks as well, you know when I was giving out those quarterback matchups, 
I mean, some of these guys were, you know, I mean, it was tough. It was a tough, it was tough reading some of those names, but mm-hmm. because of all the injuries to the QB position last year, your backup is just as important as your starter. So guys like Baker Mayfield, who I know are being also rumored to be signing in some places, the Jacoby Brissett's of the world, they're going to land on teams because teams need those kind of guys. I've always said, I think Baker Mayfield, I know Arizona is not the most ideal spot, but you know what? Arizona needs a QB for the first couple of weeks because I don't think uh, Kyler Murray is going to be ready for the start of the year, so you need it there. San Fran, I love what they did with Sam bringing in Sam Darnold for a year because you know what? Brock Purdy just had his uh, elbow surgery on Friday, and that was March 10th. And they're saying six weeks, if everything goes well, six weeks of recovery time. So he may not be ready for the start of the year. So bringing in a, a guy like that, you also still have, you know, you still have uh, Trey Lance there as well, who I know they're not ready to give up on. So I think that that's actually a solid move, bringing him in as a second or third string backup, because you need that with the way that these injuries and the way that the injury plague has been with the, with the 49er QB position. That's a solid guy to get back there. So I, yeah, I think the backup position is just as important as having a starter. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what's going on. Already an incredible start to free agency. I know the new league year technically doesn't get going until Wednesday. And then, you know, we'll have like the ball drop. Five, four, three, three two, 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 one. And you'll say, happy new league year. And that's and how we'll go. And you'll probably hear a lot of old Lang Syne. <laughs> I know that they're, the social media account for the NFL stuff like that actually does that, you know, just as well. In case you miss the ball drop on New Year's Eve, you can do it for there. And, you know, it's difficult for some of us who have to be up sometimes as early as 2, 2.30 in the morning. So, uh, absolutely. But we'll see. This just getting started. And, you know, then we got the draft in a few weeks. So the whole NFL madness is just getting going. And we, of course, will keep you – up to date on all the latest and what let me say this again when Aaron Rodgers signs with the Jets we we may have an emergency stream so again the best thing to do is to have your notifications set on our YouTube channel at ET Big Network and of course follow us across all of our Twitter accounts to uh to find that out as well well Hank speaking of madness we're Not in the middle of March when right when <laughs> so like I say folks stay tuned all right now let's get to the real madness and that is March Madness, the NCAA tournament. It is here. We're actually right now premiering in the middle of the first four match, uh, first four games that are going on right now. You've got two uh, happening on Tuesday, two happening on Wednesday, and the real fun gets going on Thursday, where you uh, Thursday and Friday the first round, which you have uh, uh, thirty-two games, uh, games that go that start at about twelve noon Eastern and don't end until about, gosh. Could be about one o'clock in the morning. So uh, a total nonstop action. And Hank, you know, you look at this tournament. You look, you see Alabama, who's the number one overall seed in this uh, tournament, as well as you got Houston, you've got Kansas, you've got Purdue, all as the number one seeds. It's actually quite interesting because Caesar Sportsbook and the the betting public actually has Houston as the favorite to win this, which I totally disagree with on, but. I, I know I'm, I'm going to mention a lot of this on our on the four Monty moments that are going to come out uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. But before I get into some things about this tournament, what's your overall take on this and where you see this going and ending up uh, in April? 
you know, there's a reason that I never have a clear favorite when it comes to the NCAA tournaments, probably because partially because I'm not as big into college basketball, but also partially because, you know, every time I do a bracket, I fail miserably. But to be fair, I think even the biggest of college fans like have failures with their brackets. I mean, I still remember picking uh, Ohio State to beat Dayton all those years ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, look, I'll tell you right now. So I did so, um, and you'll and you you guys will notice this if you go back and check out the Monty moments. I have quite a few first round upsets that involve a double digit seed topping a a single seed team. In fact, who I, was it? Um, was it you? Um, was it UMBC? That beat Virginia, yes. Yes. The only six the only time it's happened that a sixteen is beat a one. Um yeah. Wasn't there Oral was Oral Roberts another upset? I believe they were. Or am I making that one up? I'm Well, I'll tell you, I think this Oral Roberts team this year, who's a twelfth seed in the East, um, I think they could give Duke a run for their money in the opening round. So it could happen again this year. But, I mean, remember Loyola Chicago a few years back? Um, Sister, just trying to think oh, Sister Jean, who can forget? Oh, absolutely, yep. The magic of Sister Jean. That, that was one of the more – that was one of the great stories of the past several years in the in the tournament. You know, the, the tournament can do that. And, and I think I mean, she's I, still alive, too. She still is. Yeah, she just – I think she recently just had a birthday, too. I think she's at least 103, if I remember correctly. And, yes, she's still going strong. God bless. Absolutely. We can only wish to have the health that she had. Uh, listen, you and me both. Absolutely. I mean, I, 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 I couldn't ask for anything more than just that for, for sure. But yeah, I mean, if you want some like madness, Hank, I mean, I'm just trying to remember off. I'm looking at the bracket right here. I mean, I know I picked, I picked two upset, two big upsets in the South. Um, I've got one, two, I mean, I could see two or three out of the East, and you know, in the East, that the uh, the East Finals, the like the Elite Eight and stuff like that, go through Madison Square Garden. Hmm. You mean my uh, second home? Your second home. That's right. <laughs> um. Yeah. In the Midwest. Oh, yeah. In the Midwest, I've got a few, and in the in the West, which is just totally loaded this year. I mean, I've got I've got a. I've got one in the West, but I mean, actually, possibly two in the West as well. In a in the in the in a region that's totally loaded with the likes of Kansas, UCLA, uh, Gonzaga, UConn. I mean, the, God, that that West is so loaded. I mean, that's probably that'd be one of my criticisms of this tournament was that the likes of like UCLA and Gonzaga and UConn were not spread out more because I mean you're you look at that and those four teams I just listed I could even tell you TCU could be all final four teams in any other year they could all be in the final four but only one of those are going to come out of the west so yeah I'd see what I would say to you is make when I made out my full bracket I only had one number one seed making it into the final four and beyond. And that is the, and that is the top team in the, in this tournament. And that's Alabama, because I really think they are that good. Now we know Bama has been mired in controversy with the, um, 
the the Miller situation, the murder case that's been hovering over that school for the past two plus months. But on the court, Alabama, the Crimson Tide has been have been as good as any team in the nation. And yeah, no, we're not talking about college football here. This is basketball, and they have a chance, I think, to make a very very deep run into late March and early October. And I don't say that about a lot of teams, but I'm actually quite confident that Bama is going to make a very very deep run here. I'm not really sold on Houston. I mean, I know they're 31 and three, but they really did not play anybody major this year. And, yeah, their only losses are uh, were by like a combined seven points. But I'm just – something about them, and I know they've got good guard play, and I know one of them is kind of hurt, but I'm just not sold uh, in, the, in the Midwest about Houston. I think Purdue is going to get eliminated in the second round. I, in fact, in fact, when we're here next week, I don't think Purdue's making it out of uh, – making it through this weekend. I think they're going to beat wow. whoever. What's that? Really? Yes. I think that what's going to happen is Purdue's going to win their one sixteen, whether that's against Texas Southern or FDU. I think Memphis is going to be Florida Atlantic in the eight nine, and I think Memphis is going to be Purdue uh, in the second round. I, I like Memphis a lot. I think they are the best eight eight seed possible, if, if you can say that. I think they are that good, even at, in the eight spot. So I think Purdue's not going to get out. And I think the problem with Kansas is I like Kansas, but that 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 West is so loaded with UCLA, and I know UCLA is down one starter, maybe two, but you know UCLA very good. Gonzaga is playing very very well here in March. They've won nine straight. This is the different. This is a different team than what started the year. I mean, this is not the same Bill Few team than before, but they are still very very good. Uh, UConn against Iona, which could be a, a Big East preview. A preview, Big East, uh, Big East preview of the future with uh, Rick Pitino and Iona possibly maybe going to St. John's if the rumors are true. So you've got that. Uh, yeah, so that West is loaded. So that's why I think Kansas is going to have a tough time getting out of the West. So that's why I think Gonzaga is the one team, the one one seed to make the final four and possibly go all the way here. Mm. Yep, makes sense. And, I mean, Kansas, they've had a reputation for showing up in these big games, have they not? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're the defending, they're the, the defending champions here. In fact, they're trying – here's a fun fact for you. They are trying to become the first repeat champions of college basketball since 2006-2007. That was the Gators, right? Yes. Wasn't that the year the Gators pretty much were dominant in, like, every sport? Like, they had a football champion and they had a basketball champion? Yep. That was with uh, Billy Donovan, I believe. That's right. Yeah, Billy Donovan there, and I think those were the Tebow days in college football. And obviously, I've been hearing a lot of jokes about a possible 30 for 30 about Bama, you know, with. uh, Well, yeah, I mean, the situation there is, you know, very, very. That murder case is, you know, it's hard to talk about it because it's it's such a weird, intriguing story. So sounds like Baylor. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. It's it it is. Because um, I remember when Baylor had a lot of their scandals. And you know, if they ever find out that something like that is actually legitimate and stuff, I mean, they could strip Bama. I I think it'd be very unlikely because it it, it it you would have to prove it. But the NCAA could go in and strip Bama of you know wins or a title. If we've seen that before, where you know schools have been reprimanded. You know, in the future, they've been reprimanded in the past um, for their past actions. So it, it definitely is possible. Rape and murder. Rape and murder. Yeah. 
That's like a weird parody that uh, Frank the Tank made once when he talked about Baylor. <laughs> yeah, but um... the tune of um, uh, the Married with Children, if you recognize that. Yeah, that's what I, th- I was going to say. It did sound like that. Well, I think of that as Frank Love and Marriage by Frank Sinatra, but you know. <laughs> so what, yeah, one of these days I gotta like come up with parodies or something because I, I, you know, how I am with like sports parodies. Oh, I, you're you're the best at it, absolutely. <laughs> so that's what you have to look forward to, in my opinion. I think I think Bama comes out of the South. Um, boy, I tell you, I mean. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Duke comes out of the East. I just don't – I don't know if Duke – I mean, Oral Roberts is going to give Duke a run for the money. But the one thing I'll say about the Blue Devils is this team is not the same team that was in November December. You know, John Shire's squad is healthy. It's the healthiest it's been all year. They're playing exceptionally well right now. I mean, they coasted their way through the ACC tournament, albeit the ACC, ACC is very was very, very weak this year. But his squad's playing really well. I know Oral Roberts, though, has a very, very good squad. So – that East, and again, that East is going to go through Madison Square Garden where Marquette is the two seed and just came off of a big weekend there. Now they've got a chance to go back to MSG yet again and and have even more glory. So that's what you watch there in MSG, East. never been there. Is it any good? <laughs> yes, the Madison Square the <laughs> Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena, which will hopefully have more winners in not only basketball but in hockey as well. So that's what you have to watch there. And then in the Midwest, let's see here. I, I don't have Houston. I have Houston going, but I don't have them going far. Uh, I told you, I have I have Drake in the 12th seed beating Miami in the first round. I've got Kent State Lane getting – alert. What about Josh? What, what was you that, Hank? You were breaking Drake, up there for a second. Had, you said you had Drake going far, but what about Josh? <laughs> not that Josh. Not that. Oh, Drake. okay. No, <laughs> not that wrong Drake and wrong Josh. Oh man. By the way, if you want to see a former Nick, you have um, our buddy Mike Woodson coaching at Indiana there, and I think Indiana is going to have a tough time against Kent State. You know, it, the one thing about the, the Hoosiers is lately they they have games where they have stretched where they don't score, and you know what? If you don't score in, in this tournament, you're going to have a tough time. So I, I think they're going to be in for an interesting one. And the West is so loaded, I have no idea it's going to come out of it. I just don't think it's going to be Kansas because the West is just too strong. Woody, I liked him. Decent Nick coach. I loved his death stare, too, back in the I day. I love Mike Woodson. You know, we, 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 we actually compared him to Tone Loke because he just, just he sounded just like that. Uh, he was great, Mike Woodson. I loved him. I, and you know what? I think now they finally got a great coach with Tibbs. Uh, like yeah, with Tibbs. And, you know, um, I just – here's the one thing I'll say about our Knicks – not to get off topic here. I just hope they're not running out of gas. That that's that's the one thing I get concerned about. You know, they they've been slumping here a little bit. I know they had a big win Sunday night against the Lakers, but I'm just hoping they're not going to run out of gas like they did 2 years ago. That that would be the one thing I would say about the Knicks here. I mean, it it's a great thing. I mean, I I think Mike Woodson should be I mean, Mike Woodson uh Tom Thibodeau actually should get some coach of the year consideration because the Knicks were by me and others were put to rights because they thought not getting Donovan Mitchell was going to be the end of it for them. And really what I thought was the end of it for them was how strong the East was. Now, of course, you know, you saw Brooklyn who's been just the thing with Kyrie and Durant um, happened, but they're still hanging there with Jock Vaughn. You know, he took over seven games in and Jock Vaughn could get coach of the year consideration as well there in the East. Oh, and by the way, I know we're not going to get to this today, but Kevin Durant's hurt again. I mean, 
ay, ay, ay. You know, poor Phoenix Suns, I, I, I feel bad for them. They just seem to always be cursed in some ways. So that's what we have here in the NCAA tournament. Now, I will say, so I have my four Monty moments this week coming out. And again, once again, I know I keep promoting, keep plugging this, but youtube.com slash ETB network, ring that bell because what we might be doing this week is might be giving you a special Saturday uh, live uh, Monty moment for the weekend for the second round where we have eight games Saturday, eight games on Sunday. We can do a, a live preview of the second round of the tournament. And then we'll be back to talk about the Sweet 16 next week on the show. That's that's how fast it happens, Hank. You know, once you get through this cra- crazy weekend, you're down to the Sweet 16 of the tournament. You're also a week closer to to the um, start of baseball season. So, and we'll get to some baseball in just a little while, but let's switch gears. Let's go from the court to the ice and talk about your New York Rangers because I haven't been on with you in quite some time. So we've had a bunch of things happen. I know I was on with you when the Tarasenko Mm -hmm. trade happened, but we haven't been together uh, since then. So Patrick Kane happened and you look at this Rangers team right now, they sit fifth in the Eastern Conference post the acquisitions. I kind of think that when you look at them here, to me, it seems like they're still trying to work Tarasenko and Kane into this lineup. Now, we saw Tarasenko get off to a slow start, and then he had that huge overtime winner against the Flyers. Now, Kane's come along here, and I know they slumped a little bit, but Hank, you're always the one to be realistic. Uh, you're one of the more realistic Ranger friends that I know. Uh, put this in perspective right now. What do you think about the Rangers' recent play here and where we go as we have about, what is it, like 15, 16, 17 games left in the regular season? I mean, I'm going to be honest. The last three games that they played, and you know for the most part I've been pretty like glass half full, or at least I've come off as glass half full, even though, you know, generally speaking – I'm as about as realistic of a Ranger fan as they come. But with that having said, I think the last three games have kind of been testing that to a certain degree. I mean, the Montreal game was pretty brutal because they, even though they won that in a shootout, you know, this was a Montreal team that, you know, quite frankly was fielding the equivalent of an AHL roster because their injury list was just so deep. I mean, I, w- I would have loved, preferred to have seen a blown out, blow out there. And then the Buffalo game, I mean, if there was one positive about that, again, I'm glad they won that one. Kane got a goal there too, and then so did Panarin in overtime. For the most part, the Rangers also missed chances there, so that was also too close for comfort. But the positive part about that game was Igor practically stole that win. And Johnny, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't we hear a lot of people complaining about Igor Shosturkin and how, oh, how he's not that good anymore? Well, he had one of those performances that you saw from him uh, last year. And in fact, I would say Halak was the same way in that game against the Penguins. And, you know, Truba had some big hits in that game. And that was also a game where the fourth line really came out to play. And while Again, I'm going to look at the positives in that game, even though, and we lost that one in overtime. The fact that you're getting good play from the fourth line in that game, I would say is a good sign with regards to the playoffs because 
it shows you how deep the Rangers are. I mean, when you have a fourth line of Barclay Goodrow, Jimmy VC, and Tyler Mott, that's, you know, I think you're in pretty good shape there, no? But Yeah, that's pretty good. It's pretty – and it's and deep, which, you know, definitely can't hurt. If there was another positive about that game was after the Rangers looked completely flat the first two periods, they really started to pick it up in the third period. Chris Kreider had that big goal to tie the game, and there was that big hit that Vinny Trocek laid on Evgeny Malkin. Now, unfortunately, they ended up losing that game in overtime because because of an ill-advised penalty that Artemi Panarin took. But you look at some of the goals that the Penguins had, one of them was a five-on-three goal. Can't fault Halak for that one, you know. You give, you, you're on five-on-three more often than not. You'd be lucky to get out of that scot-free. So it happens. One of them was an accidental tip-in off of uh, Mika. And then, as I mentioned, power play goal. So even with the Rangers not looking at their best in those last three games, they still took five out of a possible six points. So you have to be encouraged there. And, you know, if you can win games, again, even if it's against a shitty opponent, and and you're not playing your best, that tells you more of what kind of a team that they have. And if you want to look at the Boston game, which was the last really bad one they had, they still hung around in there, but even without having Mott and without having uh, Ryan Lindgren, and they're still without Ryan Lindgren. So once you get back Ryan Lindgren, because the defense has really not looked quite as good without him. He's really more of a valuable player than people realize. So, Here's hoping the Rangers find a way to keep him, but it's going to be awfully difficult with the salary cap crunch. I really think the Rangers, if they can just get healthy, come the playoffs, then honestly, they should be in fine shape. But you know it's going to be really tough. And another thing that needs to happen is once once Kane and Tarasenko really get their groove, They'll be fine. I'm not I'm not worried about them. Those guys are elite talent. They've been around the block. Both of them know what it takes to win the Stanley Cup. They have they have the rings, and you have that combined with the youth on that team. I really don't get all the complaining. And if if Igor turns it on in the playoffs, you're going places. Absolutely. Yeah. And by the way, though. Not that I have a preference for who who they play in the in the first round, but I've got a bit of a hot take for you, Johnny. I would play it on if you held the gun to my head right now and asked me who I wanted to face in the first round. Not that I'm worried about that right now. I I would take the Carolina Hurricanes. Why would I say that? Because Carolina, real I really don't think Carolina is as good as they were last year. Their best acquisition was Puya Yarvi from the Edmonton Oilers, and he really hasn't been that. He really wasn't great there, even with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And I said I was on record for saying that they declined during the offseason. The Devils, on the other hand, I do I think the Rangers can beat the Devils? Absolutely. But their speed scares me. That's that being fair. said, That's I think like, the Rangers could definitely play against either team in the playoffs. They have the experience too. That's what nobody's like factoring in. Yeah, and they know and they like know Carolina well. Knows. And look at the two games, the two meetings already that they've had this year. The Rangers have won both, and they've outscored them eleven to five. 
the second game, we absolutely boat raced them. Sorry. Cool well, spe- yeah. Spe- yeah. Nice Noah reference there. Yeah. And that was the game that Panarin had four goals, right? Correct. So, and, and interesting thing, and this is what I'm going to bring up regarding the Rangers here. And, and you and I had spoken about this on the phone late last week. The Rangers, to me, the biggest thing is navigating these next couple of weeks in their schedule because they've got, uh, as we're on right now, they've got. They have the a Capitals. lot of back-to-backs. Yeah, and including back-to-back, yeah, back-to-back opponents, really. And, and it's weird. They, they've got Pittsburgh three times in a week, including two straight games of the Garden, which I think is just very, very strange. I don't know if I had missed something in that, but um, the magic of the show is Hank is here while he's at the Garden as the, the Rangers and the, and the Capitals are playing as as we air this, air this episode. So they've got the Capitals. they got a five-game homestand against I'll the Capitals. I'll also one or both of the Penguins games. Yeah, and, and it's weird that they play them. They're both games are at MSG against the same team. That's, yeah, that I've is very, very that rare. And then you have a random game against the Predators sandwiched in there. Yeah, and that's a back-to-back over the weekend at home. And then and- – you know, a home and home against Carolina. You know, Halak's going to start one of those games. Yeah, I would imagine. I would imagine. And then I'm going to, and then I'm going to go down to make the drive to New Jersey for the Devils game on the thirtieth. Awesome. Yeah, and I, you know, I always make the drive down to New Jersey for road games against the Devils. Which will be more like a home game. Well, although maybe not this year because the Devils are actually really good. Although it usually is more Ranger fans anyway. I mean, we, we've seen that a lot whenever the Rangers score. It sounds like it's a home game minus the, the goal horn. But yeah, this is what you were talking about with me a couple, a couple of days ago was just navigating the schedule where they've got Washington on Tuesday. They've got two two more straight against also Pittsburgh. Debating, uh, making the trip to D.C. for the game against the Capitals. Oh, that'd be that would be something. So yeah, you got Nashville, you got Carolina home and home. You've got the Panthers, who are no slouch right now. You've got the Blue Jackets. You've got the Devils. Hey, if I get the, the Capitals, Sabres. I will have uh, seen a good fraction of the East Coast. Yeah. Oh wow, that'd be to, awesome. And then you've got because I've been to because I've been to Tampa multiple times. I've seen them play. I went to Game Six of the Conference Finals. I also saw them. I also saw Mika score an overtime goal there in March 6, twenty seventeen. Uh, I've seen the Bruins. I saw the Bruins last year at TD Garden. Yes, I remember you saying that. Flyers, I've seen multiple times in Philadelphia. That's such an that's the easiest trip, by the way, of, of out of all the road games. And then, obviously, really? oh, it's a two hour drive for me. It's like all okay, I really, that's right. New York to Philadelphia, like I'll drive an hour and then I'll stop at like say either Molly Pitcher, Vince Lombardi, or whatever the whatever rest stop and then the extra hour and then one more hour, boom, you're at the hotel right by the whole Philadelphia sports complex. Like you're, you're barely even into into Pennsylvania. Once you get into Philadelphia from like New Jersey, as someone who's seen that drive numerous times. Okay. I was going to, you know, again, I haven't done that in so long. (laughs) I should, I should know off the top of my hand living in long Island for 25 years, but, uh, but yeah, so, so really, I think it's it's you getting to April. If you navigate that, oh, and I stretch, left out uh, the Islanders and the Devils. Those are the obvious road arenas, but you knew that. Already. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I mean I've gone to the Coliseum before. I I think I went. I didn't go to the Prudential Center. I went to the I went to uh, the. Concert are you talking Airlines about that old barn that's right across the street from that life that's like pretty much uh, abandoned? Yeah, 
I actually went to a net game on that. That it was the, the net game. I actually went to a net game in there. I was it was cool for that. That place, that's so depressing seeing that place just standing there every every time I go to Giant Stadium. Like you you park in that gar- if you park in that garage, you go through that creepy overpass, and you see the stadium. It's like I don't know. It, it just gives me weird vibes every time I go to MetLife. Yeah, now it's the IZOD Center, or it was the IZOD Center. But, but yeah, so that, so just getting back to this, I, that's, that's the thing I would watch for Hank is how do they get through the rest of this month with that kind of, let's be honest, playoff like schedule against those opponents. I think, so they, I think if there's a good thing about that, it's going to give them an early test come playoff time. I agree with you on that. So 10 games left in the month of March. Let's say six, two and two. That would be, would you sign up for that? Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Six. I mean, that would be, that would be something I would, I would even say five, three and two. I think you'd sign up for. I mean, I'm kind of greedy and I would like 10, oh, and oh, but still nothing, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Hey, if they go 10, oh, and oh, you're going to have fans doing backflips that can't do backflips that are still going to do backflips. It's going to be wild. But then you know what, though? Then it's going to put a lot more pressure on the team going into April and beyond. And that's an interesting transition to make here because the team, there are two storylines in hockey that are dominating the league here in the 2022-2023 season. One is a player. One is a team. Let me talk about the team here first. And I know my sister-in-law, Amanda, is going to be thrilled when I bring this up. You know, trying to get my family involved. You know, one of my brothers graduated from Colgate, and I mentioned this in the Monty moment. I, I want to give Colgate a chance against Texas in the NCAA tournament. They can make threes. I just don't think they're going to be able to do it, although they, they almost did pull off an upset special last season. But um, my sister-in-law, who lives up in Providence, is a huge Bruins fan. And uh, what they're doing is, I mean, it's just nothing, nothing short of historic and almost unheard of. I mean – 50 wins in their first 64 games. Uh, It's, I mean, it's hard to put into words how dominant they have been this year. But you know what, Hank? Here's the crazy thing about the Bruins. Now, they're 50, 10, and 5, 105 points. They got 103, a plus 103 goal differential, which is kind of unheard of. I mean, if you think about it, they've got a plus 103. The next closest team is a plus 58. in the league. So the thing though, with that is Hank is in hockey. And you know, this, I know this and anybody who's a hockey fan knows this. They could still get knocked down in the first round. If you go up against a team that gets hot at the right time and they have superior goaltending too. And then they get some players that get red hot at the right time. The Bruins can easily be out. So. And that was historic really as this is, can it keep it going? And that would be really devastating for them, too, because you look at their roster. Um, Bergeron's back. This is probably going to be his last year in the league. You still have a lot of the core from most of the 2010s, you know, the old guard. You still have uh, Marshawn. Well, now Tuca's gone, but Olmark has had a historic Vezina-like season. He probably will win the Vezina when all is said and done. And Jeremy Swayman has been no slouch as the other uh, backup goalie, but 
they were able to sign Pasta to a nice eight-year contract, and Pasta is absolutely phenomenal, 46 goals on the season. And they made that big trade with the Capitals where they, you know, beefed up their uh, depth by getting Garnet Hathaway and Dmitry Orlov. So, you know, this is a team that also is going all in. And it makes sense because, you know, after this season, they are going to have a lot of question marks to answer. But, you know, at this point, you got to tip your cap to them. But with that having been said, I agree with you. The NHL playoffs, as I've always said, it's pretty much a a battle of, you know, survival of the fittest is what it is. Yeah, and you know what? As Ranger fans, we've seen that on both sides. You know, we've seen that as a number one seed, not not winning at all, and we've seen that as a bottom seed, you know, get hot and keep it going all uh, to – make a very very yeah, deep run so they were they were middle seat they were kind of in the mid-tier i would say mm-hmm. and they yeah. had that epic run and then a year later they had that see that anytime i bring up 2015 i get so sad on the inside because you, you ever johnny you you probably heard me reference the song but you know the song if i could turn back time Yes, I hear it a lot of times with my job being in supermarkets. It, it, they play it a lot. So, I yeah. have often, often I've told you that one injury that I would like reverse would be the Plaxico Burris. Like, you know, I kind of lied when I said that. I would say the Zuccarello injury when he got hit, got he got hit right here against the Penguins. It was a Ryan McDonough shot, too. It was a total free hit. Yeah. That's the injury that I would probably put ahead of uh, Plaxico Burris. You want to know why? Because I really think he may have been a difference between them winning and losing that Lightning series. And I really think if he were healthy, they probably beat the show. Oh, man. I'm, I'm, I'm killing myself just bringing that up. And it's funny. That was the last year that I was really so confident in the range of chances. And I actually like their chances this year too, but <sighs> pump the brakes, Hanky. pump the brakes. <laughs> well, you know, you're, we're excited off of last year. You know, the success that we had one, you know, documenting it through this show was quite awesome. And I'm hoping we're going to be able to do that again this, this year. And I think they've got a good shot. I mean, I know the Bruins are definitely, you know, a challenge. I think that the, um, I and I will Bills bring you an improved rally towel from the garden. That's for sure. I'm looking forward to it. That, that's going to be awesome. And you, you know what? I mean, that's what's – yeah, I mean, you've only got – you know, the, the last game of the regular season is a month from now. And then it starts up. And, yeah, the Bruins are going to be – you know what? The Bruins are going to be the story of the postseason because, you know what, if they finish with – the most amount of wins and the most points in regular season history, and they don't win the cup. I mean, it's going to it's it's going to be epic in all the wrong ways up there in Boston. And as Boston, who's experienced, you know, both sides of it in sports, where they've had the I would say the best, if you want to say it, and I, you know, it pains me to say this as a Yankee fan, but the best comeback in the history of sports. And yeah, I do say that. Um, and also then. You know, also having one of the worst, couple of the worst collapses in sports, also in baseball. I mean, 
they've experienced it all, but this would be something if they're able to do that. Now, the one other thing also with hockey that you're talking about a lot is with the Oilers, Connor McDavid, who's got 127 points this year. I mean, probably the closest thing you've had to Wayne Gretzky uh, in the NHL in the regular season. I mean, it's – I mean, think about it. On the Edmonton side, the top two players in the league in points score and points this year are both on the Oilers and Connor McDavid and uh, Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, McDavid's got 127. Uh, Hank, I mean, we, I've never, this is, uh, I mean, he's had, he's had stretch. I mean, he had like a five game stretch where he scored two goals in every game. I mean, it, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really nuts. And, um, yeah, I think Edmonton's definitely capable of making deep run. I mean, they finally got a taste of a long run with McDavid last year, but obviously they ran into the to a really good Colorado Avalanche slot. Yep. And right now in the wild card out there in the West, Edmonton is one and Colorado is two. Colorado, though, with three games in hand, though, and just two points behind Edmonton as we speak. So... Uh, that wild card spot out west is going to be fun, and you know, like we said, you know what? Once you get into the playoffs, you can wipe all these stats off the board. It becomes an, it becomes an entirely new sport, and of course, we will definitely document that for you here on Game On in the months to come. Well, Hank, we got one more big sports story to talk about before we get out of here. Now, there's, of course, there's a bunch of different ways we can go with this, but I mean, speaking of sounding the alarms and and stuff, you know, you're talking about how you're going to sound the alarms with the Bruins if they don't win at all, but in baseball. And no, folks, we're not going to be talking. I'm sorry. I know we may turn it off some people by saying this, but we're not going to be discussing the World Baseball Classic. Uh, maybe we'll save that for down the road. But we have to talk about the New York Yankees because, I mean, this is this is just absolutely remarkable how on Thursday, out of the blue, you know, Brian Cashman, Aaron Boone, I think it was Boone, um, talks about, you know, Carlos Rodon and, you know, the new Yankee, uh, big Yankee free agent pickup this year. And he, it was announced that he is not going to be ready for the start of the season. And that goes along with Frankie Montas, who came out and said that he wasn't healthy when the Yanks acquired him last year, which just sets, it just blows your mind like crazy. So now you've got Montas not ready. You've got Rodon out. You've got Tommy Canely, who they brought back. You've got Lou Trevino, who they also required with Montas. He's not going to be ready. Those are all Brian acquisition, uh, Brian Cashman signings or acquisitions in the last nine months, and they will begin the season on the injured list. And mm-hmm. Hank, as somebody, and you know this, we spoke about this when the Yanks announced that they were going to bring back Cashman on a four-year deal. I have defended Brian Cashman for the longest time, but this is definitely not helping my cause here. For these four guys who are all signed or brought in by Cashman, now that they will start the season on the injured list. And, you know, the Rodon thing, actually scares me because this is a guy who's had Tommy John surgery and has had shoulder problems in his career. And they just gave him a massive contract. And now they're talking about him at best case scenario, being ready in, I think mid to late April is not good. And that this graphic doesn't even tell you the fact that Harrison Bader is dealing with an oblique issue and he may not be ready for the start of the season, which means you're going to, be seeing more of Aaron Hicks, Aaron, who I've dropped, who was dropping fly balls in the outfield in spring training. Hicks on the team to start the season. Hank, is it too early to be very concerned about them in the middle of March? 
No, and because, you know, I'd play the snippet of the song, but I don't want to get copyright struck. So I'm just going to say it out loud. Everybody hurts. <laughs> Seems like I, no, just... I think of that song every time I see every time at the beginning of the Yankee season. We always have some form of bad luck with injuries. Like, But then again, I don't know if I want to press the panic button yet because you know they'll probably have the, that, those moments where, where they mash the ball, but Oh, what, who am I kidding? Every time they go big or go home, like, you know how it ends. So let's, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to say this. Would I be concerned about the Yankees short term? Well, okay. Let's put it to you this way. I think the Yanks will be what they normally are, but the story with them is always October. And it might be different this year because they have to get to October this year because really their big move was Rodon. I mean, you look at the, the team in the, you know, the, the, and, and also they brought back Aaron judge. I mean, that, that was their big off season when you think about it. And, you know, we still don't know yet what they're doing, you know, with the infield, the outfield, uh, you know, now Bader's out, which means you're going to see more of Hicks who, you know, Yankee fans can't stand. So, it could be a situation where the Yankees are actually going to be getting off to a little bit of a sluggish start, which they've done in years past with the exception of last year and having to get going, you know, middle to end of the season. This is just concerning because, you know, one of the things you need in baseball is you need depth, and especially in the pitching department. And now two of your starters are out, one maybe for the entire season. Tommy Canely who they, and Lou Trevino, who are bullpen pieces, so I'm tr- trying not to freak out, but it definitely is a bit of a concern here that these guys are all not going to be around at least to start the year. And the Rodon thing, I'm, I'm actually a little more freaked about because this is a guy who's already had a couple of major injuries already. Yeah, I'm definitely have my concern, but then again, I'm, it's funny. I can be a glass half full when I'm talking about the New York Rangers, but yet with the Yankees, I'm kind of on the eh, iffy side. I can understand that because of the look at them the last. I think a good a good sample would be twenty since twenty. I'll tell you what I would do. I would go from the Rangers post lockout on. And look at the Rangers' success, and look at the Yankees' success in that same amount of time. Now, granted, the Yankees do have one thing that the Rangers don't have, and that's a championship. But the Yankees have been to one World Series, and the Rangers have at least been consistent and made the playoffs every year and made deep runs. The Yankees seem to be, you know, one series or maybe two if they're lucky and out. And you know, they survive the regular season, but then you get to October and they don't survive. So I think though the cool thing you've seen though in spring training with them, if you wanted to bring it up real quick, would be the fact that you know Jason Dominguez, who is going to be a stud in the future, who's going to be their, their outfielder for years to come, has been mashing the ball. Anthony Volpe at shortstop has looked absolutely fantastic, and there should be no way that Volpe should be on this roster. I don't care; he should make the opening day roster. There's there's no reason why this kid should not be on the team next season. 
And he really he should be starting. There's no reason why this kid should not be starting next to start should be up on opening day and starting next year for this team. I don't know why you cannot sell me anybody of team anybody else starting at shortstop. You can't tell me IKF. You can't tell me. I mean, you want to say Peraza? Okay, but you know what? He should be there. You know, you've got Cabrera who can play all the positions. He should be there. I mean, let's see these. Let's see these kids. Why not? What do you have to lose? Yeah. The baby bombers. You know what? It's how he got Aaron Judge. And now he's he's locked up for the he's locked up for the, probably the rest of his career. He's the captain of the team. I mean, why not? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, do you realize like how crazy it's going to be if IKF is there and possibly starting at shortstop next? Um, if he's the starting shortstop on opening day, you know how the Yankee fans are going to revolt over that. Yeah. So Volpe should be here. Peraza should be here. I mean. Let's see him. And look, Dominguez is not ready yet. I mean, he's mashing the ball in spring. He's not ready. He's still about two years away, but I mean, he's there. So I mean, the future is bright for this team. Pitching, though, it's 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 worrisome. Yanks might be having to mash their way through the early start of the season, and you know what? We'll have to see. But yeah, this is definitely not good that all these guys already. I mean, early to mid March, already dropping. And there's still a few weeks to go before the season starts here. But, um, yeah, we'll find out is, you know, the AL East will be a very interesting division with, you know, the Rays still, you know, always finding a way to get things done. You've got the Blue Jays who are still very good. You've got the Orioles who could take the next step. I think the Red Sox, not in love with them, but we'll find we'll find out. But, yeah, definitely this is something here to watch as uh, we go along. But, uh Hank, I think that's going to put a wrap on episode 46 of the show. Uh, good to get back in the groove. I've missed this. Don't think, folks, I've been hiding. I've just been busy. But, uh, again, I want to thank Nick for filling in for me these last few weeks. And hopefully if I don't have to work a 50-plus-hour week next week, I'll be back again next week and beyond. But um, but that's what's going on. So we've got March Madness. We've got, you know, Baseball almost close by. We've got basketball and hockey coming down the stretch. We've got plenty of football stuff to discuss as well. So, uh, you know, just like last year when we started, was very busy. We start year number two on a very, very busy note. I wouldn't want it any other way. But, of course, folks, um, we want to hear your feedback from the show. So follow us across our social media platforms, Facebook and Twitter, Game on ETB, uh, Instagram, Game on underscore ETB. And our personal handles there scrolling across the bottom of your screen. Of course, our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash ETP network. Leave a like, hit that notification bell, and subscribe so you know uh, when all our content is coming out. Again, we've got four Monty moments on the NCAA tournament's first round out. We're going to possibly do another live one this weekend for the second round. If any of the major breaking news happens in the NFL, we might be out for that. So, again, best thing to do is to follow us on our social media platforms and on YouTube. Hit that notification bell so you know we're all going to be at and of course check out our website at etbpodcast.com so hank you have a great week enjoy the rangers uh, the ranger game games i should say plural yes awesome so good good to see you so folks for hank and dictor i'm johnny montabano enjoy your week everybody and we will talk to you again next week